0: Hey everybody! Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We are here for some holiday cheer.
1: Ho ho ho!
0: <laughs> I just wanted to say. <laughs> oh no, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> After the first one, I wanted to say Green Giant because that's <laughs> what it made me think of. So we've done several British rom coms lately.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're on a. It's like a British invasion of the <laughs> We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast.
0: It is. We've done Notting Hill. Bridget Jones's Diary, and now we are doing Love Actually. All written and directed by Richard Curtis. Who knew?
1: Yeah, I didn't know I was such a big fan, but apparently I am.
0: So he's behind movies like Four Weddings and a Funeral from 1994. Like I said, Notting Hill in 99, Bridget Jones's Diary in 2001, Love Actually in 2003, Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason in 2004. And then he did There's Some Time Off, which he probably did other things, but these are kind of all his rom-coms. About Time in 2013. Oh, I love that we really one. liked. Yeah. And yesterday in 2019.
1: We saw that in the theater. I know. It had scenes in Liverpool where we were like,
0: we've been there. (laughs) Yes, it was very exciting. (laughs) So of all of these, which would you say is your fave?
1: Of all of those, I have to go with Love Actually, which, you know, good timing. (laughs) (laughs) But this for me is like what star-studded ensemble movies are going for. It's like this movie. Most of them don't get it right. Not like this movie did. It's just well put together, and even though there are a ton of characters, tons of stories all happening all at once, I never felt lost. I was invested in each one, and I mean, overall, this is one of my favorite Christmas films now, thanks to you.
0: Well, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) This was hard because I love every single one that I just listed, aside from Four Weddings and a Funeral, and that's really just because I don't remember it. I know that I've seen it, but it's not one that I rewatched a lot. I was in high school then, and I just, I don't know.
1: We'll have to go back to that one.
0: Yeah, I would like to see it. I think I have to go with Bridget Jones's Diary. Hmm. But Love Actually is a very, very close second.
1: Yeah, I can see you picking Bridget Jones over this one. But I also would agree that it is probably really close.
0: Yeah, with Bridget Jones, it was like that time in my life that I really related Mm -hmm. to her. So it just spoke to me. This one, I just, you know, I loved everything about it. And we're going to talk about all the things I love about it.
1: Away we go. <laughs> I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas so this one came out in 2003. It's a Christmas-themed movie with an ensemble cast who are predominantly British actors and many who had previously worked with Richard Curtis. Yeah,
0: that's funny. I didn't think about that. I mean, I knew Hugh had, and obviously Colin had. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a bunch of the others had as well.
1: So we basically have a look into the different aspects of love. It's told through 10 different love stories. And we find out as we go that many of the people are interlinked with other people from the story. And I had no idea. Like towards the end of the movie, I'm like, how do they know each other? And you're like, of course they know each other. I'm like, I missed that. I've got to watch it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love the fact that you see little like some of it's just very small moments, but you'll see like one of the couples kind of pass someone else and they they like say hello because they know each other or whatever. And also like Billy Mac, his story with Joe, they don't really interact with anyone else. Right. But you do see his video playing in the background of a lot of different other stories that are happening.
1: Yeah. So he's like kind of involved just through media
0: yeah so when we start the movie it's five weeks before christmas and we see scenes of arrivals at heathrow airport as hugh grant does a voiceover
1: whenever i get gloomy with the state of the world i think about the arrivals gate at heathrow airport general opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed but i don't see that
0: seems to me that love is everywhere often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy but it's always there Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters,
1: husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around.
0: And then we get right into meeting all of the characters in their separate stories.
1: So first off, we have the aforementioned Billy Mac and Joe. So Joe, played by Gregor Fisher, is the longtime manager of rock and roll legend, Billy Mac, played by Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not the science guy? Not
0: the same one. All
1: right, the other Bill Nye. He's recording a Christmas version of the Trogs, Love is All Around.
0: I feel it in, in my fingers. fingers. <laughs> I, feel I feel it in, in my, my
1: toes. toes. I feel feel like we're doing the chair dance like he's doing right now, but the audience can't see it.
0: Pete always makes fun of me for how I sang it on the podcast last year.
1: <laughs> I just reheard that, too, and was making fun of you in my mind once again. <laughs> I feel it in my fingers. <laughs> but that's how he sings it.
0: I know. So you got it right. So shame on me. <laughs> I just sounded like Monica again. I know. <laughs> so next we have Juliet, Peter, and Mark. Julia is played by Kira Knightley, and Peter played by... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's tough. I'm going to say Chiwetel 4
1: <laughs> Let's see. Chiwetel 4 Okay. Let's hear it.
0: Chiwetel 4 Okay. All right.
1: Not bad. Eggio4. Ejiofor.
0: Chiwetel 4 Thanks, Siri, or whoever you are. That's Google. Thanks, Google. Okay, so let me start that over. Juliet, played by Keira Knightley, and Peter, played by
1: Chiwetel Ejiofor,
0: what she said, are getting married. (laughs) And the best man, Mark, played by Andrew Lincoln, (laughs) (laughs) films their wedding and surprises them with an amazing performance by English singer Lyndon David Hall, who sadly passed away in 2006. Um, And the really sad irony of that, I looked it up, was that he passed away on Valentine's Day.
1: Did he really? Yeah. How did he die?
0: Um, I think he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Gosh. But I think that it was actually complications from a treatment that he was receiving. Uh-huh. But that was a quick Google search, so. Okay. But may he rest in peace. He was very talented. Um. But Juliet and Peter think that Mark just despises Juliet, but he's actually in love with her. And that's kind of... You know, his defense mechanism, it's like a protection of why he <laughs> acts like that with her because right. he knows that it's out of line.
1: Mm-hmm. Very out of line. Yes. Next up, we have Jamie and Aurelia. So writer Jamie, played by Colin Firth, finds out pretty early on that his girlfriend, Sienna Gulleroy, is cheating on him with his brother. He's heartbroken. He heads to his French cottage where he meets his new Portuguese housekeeper, Aurelia. Who's played by Lucia Maniz, who does not speak any English. And of course, he doesn't speak any Portuguese. So that makes their communications difficult, but very interesting too. It's pretty clear that there is a heavy attraction between the two of them, even with the language barrier.
0: Yes. So next we have Harry, Karen, and Mia. So Mia, played by Heike Makic, is Harry's new secretary. And Harry is played by Alan Rickman, who passed away in 2016. Yeah. <sighs> Seems like it was just the other day.
1: Yeah, I thought it was like 2019 or something.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Karen, played by Emma Thompson, is Harry's wife and the mother of his children. And she unfortunately comes to the sad realization that her husband has something going on with Mia. And yeah, to me, this is definitely one of the most heartbreaking, frustrating stories.
1: Yeah, this one punches me right in the feels. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have David and Natalie. <laughs> so, Karen's brother. David. David. <laughs> <was gonna> <laughs> David. <is, laughs> who is played by Hugh Grant is the recently elected Prime Minister of Britain. 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 Natalie, played by Martine McCutcheon, is a new junior member of his household staff. And even though it's inconvenient, the two have undeniable chemistry. There are some misunderstandings that cause David that, that caused David <laughs> to fire Natalie, but in the end, he goes to find her to profess his feelings for her.
0: So next up, we have Daniel, Sam, Joanna, and Carol. So Daniel, played by Liam Neeson, is mourning the recent death of his wife, Joanna. And as he's caring for his stepson, Sam, played by Thomas Sangster, who has fallen head over heels in love with his American classmate, also named Joanna, played by Olivia Olson, Daniel gives him advice and encourages him to go after her to fight for it. Meanwhile, Daniel meets Carol, played by Claudia Schiffer, and she's the mom of one of Sam's classmates, which is funny because Daniel makes several comments throughout the movie about Claudia Schiffer. And it kind of bugs me, though, because, like, I just wish she was playing herself.
1: Right. Why not just have it be Claudia Schiffer that he runs into?
0: Because otherwise, like, there's no mention of how Carol is Claudia's doppelganger. Right. You know, like he's just attracted to her, but he's not like the fact that he's acknowledging that Claudia Schiffer exists.
1: Yes. Claudia Schiffer odd.
0: shouldn't be there playing someone else. Like, it just doesn't make sense.
1: Been but, this movie. <laughs> trash.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but this little storyline is one that was surprising because it starts out really sad and it ends up like hopeful and it pretty quickly turns that way. It does. It's like once you find out that Sam is just this little guy that's in love, you kind of forget about the sadness and the, the you know, the funeral that we just watched. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably just a good distraction for both of them.
1: Absolutely. And that funeral was sad.
0: Very sad.
1: So next we have Sarah, Carl, and Michael. So Sarah, played by Laura Linney, works for Harry. And she has been in love with the creative director, Carl, played by Rodrigo Santoro, who I think also played in 300. He played uh, Xerxes. Mm. She's been in love with him for years. They finally connect at the office Christmas party, and he drives her home. And while they're starting to hook up, she starts getting calls from her brother, who is mentally ill and in a facility. Carl ends up leaving, and nothing ever happens between them.
0: We're going to talk more about this later, so I'm just going to put a pin in it.
1: Put a pin in it.
0: Next up, we have Colin. 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 Tony and the American girls, right? So- Colin Frissell, played by Chris Marshall, has been unsuccessful in love with English girls his whole life. And he informs his friend Tony, played by Abdul Salas, that he plans to go to America. He's convinced that his Britishness, (laughs) quote unquote, (laughs) will get him all the American girls that he wants. And he follows through with it. He ends up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where he meets (laughs) Stacy, played by. With an E. With an E. Played by Ivana Milosevic, Jeannie, played by January Jones, and Carol Ann played by Alicia Cuthbert. Three beautiful women who instantly fall for him, and they invite him to come stay with them, uh, where they're joined by their roommate, Harriet. Harriet is played by Shannon Elizabeth, but we don't see her until the end of the movie when they're at the airport, along with her, I think it was her cousin, yep, Carla, who's played by Denise Richards.
1: A lot of hotness going on in this storyline. I will say when Colin goes to their house in Milwaukee, that is the most Western New York house I've ever seen. It is. It's in Milwaukee, but I mean, it could be any house where I grew up. (laughs) Okay, next up, we have my personal favorite couple, John and Judy.
0: They're your favorites? I love them. I didn't know that.
1: John, who's played by Bilbo Baggins. (laughs) slash martin freeman
0: isn't he also he's not sherlock but
1: he's yeah uh watson yeah He is also Watson and Judy, Joanna Page are professional stand ins for films. (laughs) They meet doing the sex scene for a film. What's funny about them is they are totally naked. They're acting out their sexual situations, but they're both pretty shy and prudish in real life. And they're just having their little conversations while they're pretending to do whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's the one storyline throughout the whole thing that ruins it for people being able to comfortably watch this movie with their families.
1: Yes, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, because I remember wanting to watch it with my parents and then thinking like, this is a little (laughs) awkward. And last but not least, we have Rufus. So Rufus is played by Rowan Atkinson, otherwise known as Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. He's the jewelry salesman who is wrapping the gift that Harry is sneakily buying for his secretary. And he's being so meticulous about it that it almost causes Harry to get caught by his wife because he's just taking so long. And then also at the airport later... He helped Sam to sneak through to go see Joanna. Something that I thought was really fun that I found out about this was that there was a director and cast commentary, and they revealed that Rufus was originally supposed to be a Christmas angel. Oh, really? Yeah. So that would have added a whole different dynamic to it. And they dropped it in the end because there was just so much going on already that they didn't want to add like a supernatural
1: element. Yeah, I get it.
0: But I'm like, it makes sense, really.
1: It does. He's kind of there to move things in mysterious ways.
0: Right. I like it. Yeah, me too. Fun facts.
1: Fun facts.
0: Fun facts. It's time for fun facts. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should have made it out of um, a Christmas song.
1: Oh. It's time for some fun facts. It's time for some fun facts. It's time for some fun facts. So read them right now.
0: Ooh, I love it. <laughs> All right. So Richard Curtis, he cast his daughter, Scarlett, in the film, and she was given the choice of being an angel or a lobster. And she played the part of lobster number two in the nativity play. On the condition that she met Kira Knightley.
1: I love that she had a condition. I know.
0: <laughs> I'll only play lobster number two. If. If.
1: <laughs> Dad, listen.
0: <laughs> if you could only meet one person from this cast, who would it be? Kira Knightley?
1: Uh... Hmm. It's going to either be Liam Neeson mm. or Andrew Lincoln. Ah. Because I watched a lot of The Walking Dead. Not all of it. Yeah. And Liam Neeson is a man with a particular set of skills that I've enjoyed watching.
0: I've heard about those. His, oh, those are probably not the ones you're
1: oh, talking yeah, about. yeah. Different skills. Different skills. <laughs> this is in his murder movies. <laughs> Taken. Oh, the Taken series. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like kicking butt. That's, That's why funny. I want to meet him. <laughs> What are skills are you talking about? Oh, oh uh, wait, this is family friendly.
0: Yeah. Um
1: What about you? Uh,
0: honestly, my answers might be kind of what you gave, but <laughs> <laughs> Uh or I really like Rodrigo Santoro.
1: Ooh, Xerxes.
0: Um but you know what? I actually think it would be Liam Neeson or Colin Firth. I love uh, Colin Firth. Yeah. As well. And I just think he would be lovely.
1: Wait a minute. I've forgotten about Hugh Grant. Yeah. It might be Hugh Grant.
0: I would just be afraid that Hugh Grant wouldn't be nice. You don't think so? I don't know. I've had it in my head all these years that he wasn't that nice, but I could be totally wrong.
1: Why? Because he got caught like.
0: No, not because of that. I just feel like maybe when I, I've seen him in interviews and he just seemed like he didn't want to be there, that kind of thing.
1: Let's get him on the podcast and see what oh, it's okay. like. <laughs>
0: If you're listening, Hugh, hit us up.
1: Come on, Hugh. Okay, so in 2017, Richard Curtis wrote a script for Red Nose Day, which reunited several of the characters from this movie and picked up their storylines 14 years later, and we watched it.
0: We did. I don't know why it's taken me so long to watch it.
1: Yeah. I remember seeing ads about it, and we just never did it.
0: I boo-hooed like a baby.
1: Yeah, it was good.
0: It was good.
1: It was too short, but it was good.
0: Yes, and for a good cause, too. Yeah. It was nice to see. It was also kind of jarring because we went from watching the original to watching that one, and it's like, whoa.
1: Within seconds. Like, yeah. literally after the movie stopped, we went to that.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I'm not trying to be an ageist or anything like that, but just even Hugh Grant, I don't think about the fact that he's aged, you know what right, I mean? Right, because
1: he wasn't young, necessarily, when, right. he, when he filmed this. So, you know, he's in his probably in his 70s now, <gasps> or late 60s. What? What? What?
0: I say early 60s. I feel like he was in his 40s when he filmed this, but... Uh,
1: yeah, I am incorrect. He is 61. Boom. Or Yeah, or yeah. he just probably turned 61 at some point. Sorry, Hugh.
0: <laughs> but even like Kira Knightley, I hadn't seen her in a long time. And I was like, whoa. I mean, uh, she still looks great. I'm just saying.
1: She does. It was funny because in like the screen cap for what we were about to watch, it like wasn't a flattering screenshot of her. But in motion, I thought she looked really good.
0: Mm-hmm. So the footage of passengers being welcomed and embraced by their loved ones at Heathrow was actually shot on location with hidden cameras for a week. In the film's DVD commentary, Richard Curtis explains that when something special was caught on camera, a crew member would then race out to have its subject sign a waiver so the moment might be included in the movie. And Curtis claims that watching the love expressed at the arrival gate of LAX is what inspired him to write this movie in the first place. So it was kind of perfect.
1: That is perfect. I mean, I guess it's still possible today. I was thinking of, oh, that wouldn't be possible anymore. I guess it would still be possible just at like a different location.
0: Yeah, it would It would be more so that everybody would be at like baggage claim or whatever.
1: Right, exactly. So this, the same thing could happen. These hugs still happen. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I was wondering how they did that. I was like, how did they get permission from all these random people? I mean, that makes sense that they had to run out mm-hmm. there and be like, hey.
0: Well, this movie was filmed- After 9-11.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if they'd put all of those rules into place by then because things kind of morphed and changed.
0: Well, and they were in the UK too, so maybe it was different.
1: Right. So initially, the plan was to include 14 love stories (laughs) in this film.
0: I say he needs to make another movie with the ones that he cut out.
1: He does. And update these. Yes. Two were cut in the scripting phase, but two were shot and then cut in post. The ones lost before production involved a girl who was in a wheelchair and one about a boy who records a love song for a classmate who ends up hooking up with his drummer. Oh. Yeah. The scenes that were shot but cut for time was a brief aside featuring an African couple supporting each other during a famine. Oh wow. Yeah. And another storyline that followed a school headmistress revealing her longtime commitment to her lesbian partner.
0: You know, that was one of the things that I was surprised about that the movie didn't include any Any members of the LGBTQ plus community?
1: Well, it was just a different time where I think if this movie were made now, it definitely would.
0: Absolutely. It's just sad that that was cut. I would have liked to have seen that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Curtis wrote this screenplay with some of these stars in mind, including Hugh Grant. Emma Thompson, and Martine McCutcheon, who plays Natalie, he was so sure that he wanted Martine for the role of the love interest to the prime minister that he had the character's name as Martine in early drafts. (laughs) I love that. And I love this. He explained in the DVD commentary that the name was changed to Natalie before her audition so she, quote unquote, wouldn't get cocky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd go in for an audition and you see your name there and you'd be like, oh, I got this in the bag. I
1: got this.
0: (laughs) Laura Linney, Billy Bob Thornton, and Denise Richards received letters asking them to consider a role in the film. Both the actresses were impressed by the unconventional move, but Linney told the Daily Beast that she was even more flattered by its contents. She said, quote, I got a letter in the mail from Richard Curtis saying that he'd been trying to cast this part and he'd kept saying to his partner, Emma Freud, that he'd been looking for a Laura Linney type. And she said, why don't you ask Laura Linney?
1: <laughs> I read a different version of this with a lot more cursing on Emma's part. Oh, really? <laughs> as far as what she was suggesting he do.
0: Why don't you just call Laura Linney? Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Bill Nye told The Guardian, we didn't all film together, but we had a big trailer park for all the cast. There were so many famous people there. We used to talk about being on Liam Neeson Way or Emma Thompson Road or Hugh Grant Avenue. And it was a (laughs) masterpiece of diplomacy, too. We all had the same size and type of trailer.
0: That's fun. Yeah.
1: Laura Linney remembered the place having a warm sense of community.
0: Oh, I bet that was a fun set to be on.
1: That's the kind of stuff I get real jealous about, like being able to hang out, like you got your trailer, it's your little house for a few months or however long they film, and you got all these famous people. I guess though, like you're famous too, so it's like-
0: I bet a lot of them still geek out over, like, you know, they're like-
1: That's Laura Linney.
0: Liam Neeson is over
1: there. Liam Neeson, he's a know? man with a particular set of skills. <laughs> Hugh Grant talks about that, like he he gets nervous. Yeah. Or we talked about that in another episode. Right.
0: So Hugh Grant and Richard Curtis worked together, you know, on Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, so you think they must get on well. They're mates. But they had a deep disagreement on how the prime minister should be played. So Hugh wanted it to be like a grounded performance, and he resented Curtis's push to make the part more whimsical. And this came to a head when they had to shoot the dance number.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And (laughs) Hugh apparently refused to rehearse. Richard Curtis said he kept putting it off. He didn't like the song. It was originally a Jackson 5 song, but we couldn't get it. So he was hugely unhappy about it.
1: He was being such a pain (laughs) in the ass from the sounds of it.
0: (laughs) We didn't shoot until the final day. And it went so well that when we edited it, it had gone too well. And he was singing along with the words. It was a tricky thing to cut because they used a different song. Mm. But obviously, you know, the final result with Jump for My Love speaks for itself.
1: I appreciate how uncomfortable that might have been just to dance around like that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were watching it. I didn't know about this, but I was like, I bet he hated that because he doesn't normally do like right. silly kind of comedy like that.
1: And I love that they came back to it for the Red Nose Day. And, and then he did he, it like, again. Did it again and fell down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except this time he did it to Hotline Bling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So when Sarah takes Carl back to her flat, a crane shot reveals that her bedroom is perched above the first floor with like a half wall serving as sort of a balcony. We find out in the DVD commentary track, this layout was poached from Bridget Jones's diaries, author's home.
0: Helen Fielding. Yes. I love that. That was just like a little tidbit that, you know, if you didn't read the books or watch the movies, you don't care who she is. But I just thought that was a fun thing.
1: And it's a fun layout. Like it's, it, it feels like so open.
0: Yeah. The only thing, whenever I see layouts like that, because I've looked at stuff like that for us, like whenever we've looked at condos or apartments or whatever. Yeah. And the only thing with that, I just think about if you have guests.
1: Yeah, that could be a challenge.
0: Like it would be fine for us, although not really with like working from home and stuff because you'd have to have a room that had a door.
1: Right. It needs to be like a separate section yes. of our house.
0: Right. It's cool, though.
1: It is very cool. It's an interesting layout that's by itself, not overly practical. Right. Unless you're single.
0: But if you're single, it's fine. Who cares?
1: Completely practical.
0: Yeah. In 2013, Andrew Lincoln was reminiscing with Entertainment Weekly about how he handwrote those romantic signs. In the movie. Oh, did he? And he revealed, quote, it is my handwriting. It's funny because the art department did it. And then I said, well, can I do it? Because I like to think that my handwriting is really good. Actually ended up with me having to sort of trace over the art departments. So it is my handwriting, but with a sort of pencil stencil underneath.
1: (laughs) They were just like, just follow our guidelines, (laughs) Andrew.
0: I know when I read it, I was like, oh, well, he does have good handwriting. And then I'm like, oh.
1: (laughs) So Bernard is a running joke. That is based on a real man. Every Curtis film writes a uh, Bernard in, and he's always the butt of a joke. In Love Actually, he's the son of Thompson's character, who is described as horrid. <laughs> this all dates back to a love triangle that didn't turn in Curtis's favor. Bernard was the name of a young man. Bernard. <laughs> Bernard.
0: I I Say Bernard. <laughs> no, it's
1: Bernard. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm not Bernard. Brid- <laughs> I'm not. I'm not British enough.
1: Oh, I'm very British. <laughs> yes. Bernard. just just say it your way bernard was the name of a young man who won the heart of curtis's crush anne and so he will forever be lampooned in real life bernard is a successful (laughs) politician named bernard jenkin member of parliament for harwich and north essex since 2010 gotta be posh if he's in essex he's so posh so posh
0: he's from essex
1: do you have any names that cause that type of reaction for you? Or just like, if I was writing a movie, this would be the a-hole name that I'd make in every single one of my movies. Yes. What, who?
0: I can't say it.
1: Oh, you can't say it?
0: No. Boring. <laughs> Who's yours?
1: Oh, what's his name? Uh, Shoot. I can't remember his name.
0: Uh, well, then, boring.
1: I can see his face, at least.
0: I can see their face. Um... I'm just choosing not to say it. Oh,
1: his the last name started with a G. I don't remember.
0: Wow. Well, anyway, I was trying to think of who all the Bernards were in the other movies. I know in Notting Hill, that's Bernie, which is their friend, right? That mm-hmm. ha- That's like the one that's kind of rude to Anna at first. Yep. I can't think of who Bernie is or Bernard in Bridget Jones. Was he, is that her boss? Maybe. I don't know. Could be. We'll have to look it up. So when it was announced that Curtis would be revisiting some of the Love Actually characters for Red Nose Day, he knew right away that out of respect for Alan Rickman, who had just passed away the year before, Mm -hmm. that he didn't want to revisit Emma Thompson's character, you know, who played his wife. She said, quote, Richard wrote to me and said, 'Darling, (laughs) darling, we can't write anything for you because of Alan. And I said, no, of course, it would be sad. Too sad. Thompson said it's too soon. It's absolutely right because it's supposed to be for comic relief and there isn't much comic relief in the loss of our dear friend, really only just over a year ago. But in 2015, Richard Curtis's partner, Emma Freud, live tweeted and said that what happened in Love Actually wasn't the end of the story for Thompson and Rickman's characters. So she shared some details of what happened to the couple after the credits rolled. The short version was that they stay together, but home isn't as happy as it once was.
1: They stay together? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, did he kiss her? He kissed Mia, didn't he? Did he kiss her? I can't remember.
0: I don't remember them kissing. I think he was really just contemplating. Yeah. Maybe they cut some stuff out. I don't know. I mean, mm. he he bought her the jewelry. And I mean, that would be enough for me, but.
1: Yeah. If you buy another dude jewelry without buying me jewelry first, <laughs> we got problems because I've never gotten any jewelry.
0: <laughs> it's fine if I buy you the, jewelry though.
1: <laughs> Well, I've got to get my chain first, okay?
0: (laughs) Your chain. Yeah.
1: All right, so let's dive into some favorite moments.
0: Okay. My first one is when Jamie and Aurelia are having a moment, right? She's just jumped into the lake to save all the pages of his book that blew away. And they're kind of hanging out and trying to communicate with each other as much as they can. You know, they're kind of like acting out Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's pretty cute. And then she's like, I better get back to work. Uh, But she asks him if he's going to drive her home later. And he says,
1: It's my favorite time of day, driving you.
0: And then she says, in Portuguese, but we see it in the subtitles, it's the saddest part of my day, leaving you. Mm. I just think that's so sweet.
1: It is sweet.
0: There were a lot of things in their conversations that I really loved, because, I mean, obviously they did it on purpose, the writers. But, you know, he's speaking in English, and then the things that she's saying, they don't understand each other, but they're actually kind of saying the same thing to each other. Just pretty
1: cute. Very cute. <laughs> All right. First up for me, when David, the prime minister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if somebody here has not watched Schitt's Creek, they're going to be like, why is he why saying it that is way? He saying it like that? When
1: David <laughs> is going door to door to try and find Natalie. I just love the shock and surprise that you see on everyone's faces as they open their doors. That's so fun. Because you think about that. You're just like, oh, my gosh, that's President Obama at my door. Right. You're just like, what? Aren't you? I, well, I just and then love depending
0: that. on who you are, you might not be happy with opening the door. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's got to be tricky.
1: Yeah. And I, well, here's the thing.
0: Maybe it's different over there.
1: 2003 was also a different time. Yeah. For opinions and feelings on leaders of countries. True. Yeah. It's changed. But I also like that part when the little girls demand Christmas carols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from David and his <laughs> driver joins in and he's got this booming baritone voice and even David like looks back like yes.
0: what the <laughs> he even does a little tongue roll is like <laughs> and <Yes>. round <laughs> <laughs> and i love when the little girls are like please sir please, please. <laughs> give us more please all right i know this shouldn't be a favorite moment but it's one of the most recognizable moments from the movie i think or most memorable I'm a sucker for a grand gesture. And the one that Mark does for Juliet with the big signs just gets me. <laughs> now, it's horrible because it it's his best friend's wife. Yeah. But just the whole, you know, say it's carol singers and then he plays Silent Night on his boom box. And just the wording of all of it really, like, floored me. That to me, you were perfect. And my wasted heart will love you. Oh. And I don't even care that she runs after him and kisses him and stuff like that's not what I love about it. I kind of wish she hadn't done that. Right. It's just the romantic part of it. And he wasn't asking her, you know, to leave Peter for her or anything like that. He was just saying, you know, at Christmas, you tell the truth. It's obvious that I'm busted. You know how I feel. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This is the way.
1: This is the way.
0: And that's that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so complicated, right? Well, it's complicated and it's simple. Like, you don't do that to your best friend. Right. But, I mean, it's a movie, so.
0: It's a movie.
1: I accept. Next up on my list, when Mr. Bean is wrapping Harry's gift for Mia.
0: It's not Mr. Bean. It
1: is. What's it's, his name?
0: Is it like Rufus or something? Rufus. Hold on, let me make it's sure. It's Mr. Bean. Come on, hold on. It is Rufus.
1: When Rufus slash Mr. Bean is wrapping Harry's (laughs) gift for Mia. I love how uncomfortable Harry is. He's looking around. He's feeling that pressure. He knows his wife is lurking while he's getting real shady. But Mr. Bean slash Rufus does not care. He is going to wrap the out of that gift. (laughs) And no one's going to stop him. (laughs) I love when he does like the flourish and he takes the, the flowers and puts them in there. And then he's like... Like, wafts him in his face. I just, I love it.
0: (laughs) It's an experience.
1: It is an experience.
0: It's very luxurious. Okay. My next one is the moment where Sam goes after Joanna in the airport. He is so cute. And the look on his face, like, he's already proud of himself for what he's done. Yeah. And literally all he did was introduce himself. And she's like, I know who you are. You know, that was kind of it. Have a Merry Christmas or whatever.
1: Do you remember how big of a deal that was to, like, talk to the person that you had a crush on Absolutely. when you were 10 years old.
0: Yes, I do. So, I mean, he's already accomplished so much. He has. I didn't know what his goal was when he found her, but I guess it was just like, I see you, I'm here.
1: And that's you know? it.
0: And I, maybe he just wanted to know that she knew who he was. I don't right. know. But then he goes back and he sees Daniel and he like gives him a thumbs up and he's you know proud of himself. And then- I'm sorry to say Liam, but Daniel is like motioning because he sees Joanna come up behind him real smooth. Like he's mm-hmm. like, just kind of lets him know that she's there. He turns around and she kisses him on the cheek. Jackpot. Oh, mm. when he turns around. And I mean, it is. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone look happier.
1: Yeah. The joy kid. in his face is palpable.
0: Yeah, It is. I just, I'm very empathetic anyway, (laughs) but for some reason watching it this time around, (laughs) I also wasn't feeling great that day. And I I think I was just extra emotional, but I sobbed, sobbed. I've seen this movie a million times. Mm -hmm. I watched it in the theater. I remember when it came out, like, I think I saw it on my birthday that year because it's around this time of year. And I just, I I don't think I've ever cried in that moment, but it got me this time.
1: Well, you were a little tired. I get it. It happens. (laughs) All right. My last one. Well, my last main one, (laughs) the moment during Peter and Juliet's wedding when Mark surprises them with the performance of All You Need Is Love and the different band members keep popping up in the audience, playing different sections of the song. It's early on in the film, but it's so much fun.
0: It's so great. You can't watch it without a smile on your face.
1: You can't because it's like they're having so much fun and it's just randomness everywhere. Just all of a sudden, like the trumpeters like.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of brides are so everything is so planned out with your wedding. Right. Right. And I imagine that like at first you would be like, wait a minute, this wasn't planned. Where is
1: this on the schedule?
0: (laughs) But then it's just so great. That's probably like the moment where your whole body just relaxes and you're just like, this is amazing. I love it. I'm so in love. I'm so happy. Right. Yay. You know, I just think it's a great moment. And like you said, so early in the movie and you're not expecting it at all. And it's just this great moment that you would think that would actually be like the climax of the movie right, or the ending or whatever. So I like that a lot. Same here. Okay, my first HM, when David, the Prime Minister, Hugh Grant, when he is speaking with his assistant about Natalie, and she says, the chubby one, I just love that he goes, would we call her chubby? (laughs) Right. I just like that someone in the film points out that she's not actually chubby because she's not.
1: No, she's not. It's ridiculous. Okay, maybe in the 60s, people were different sizes, right? They were stick thin. But it's like in 2003, I don't think anybody thought she was chubby. So
0: obviously they did. They must have. And they wrote it with her in mind, too. So it's not even like, oh, they had already written it and they just cast someone, you know. That's true. It was one of those things where I didn't like that that was even a topic of conversation. Right. But I just I love the delivery there. So, yeah, that's why it's a favorite moment.
1: On the Natalie and David kick here, because my first H.M., when they are in the car with it's like her nephew or brother. It's her nephew. Yeah. Yeah. He's in that octopus costume Mm -hmm. and Natalie and David are attempting to profess their love for one another. And that kid's just like, we're here. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) then he's got to crawl over David where he's trying to like squish his octopus head through the door. Yes. It's just such a great break in that moment of seriousness to right. just chuckle a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's also a very normal moment yeah. that typically you would think a prime minister wouldn't experience. So right. it's fun to see him in that scenario. My next Jim HM is when Colin returns from America and Tony's there to pick him up at the airport and he gets to show him that he was right. And he introduces him to Harriet you know, who's Shannon Elizabeth. And then she brings out Carla, Denise Richards, just two bombshells that are very recognizable by the audience, you know, so that just makes it it could have been any two random hot girls. But the fact that it's Shannon Elizabeth and Denise Richards, who everybody knew who they were at that time, just made it that much better. And I just kind of love that it actually went the way that he thought it would.
1: Right. Because I can never remember. If he gets all of his stuff stolen by these girls or if it's really his dream come true.
0: Yeah, he was asking when we were watching. He's like, I can't remember what happens here. I think that they rob him when they get to the house. I think that's what happens in it. I think you're probably just thinking of what you probably thought was going to happen the first time you watched it. Yes. And so now you can't remember if that was real or maybe it was in another universe. I don't know. But Uh,
1: yes, I feel like in the universe I remember, they steal all his stuff, (laughs) but he's okay with it because that scene when you see the Western New York house from the outside, when that happens, he's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You see everybody stripped down, (laughs) jump down on the
1: bed together (laughs) via silhouette,
0: via silhouette. Yes.
1: All right. My next HM when Natalie is so nervous the first time that she meets David. That she swears not once, not twice, but thrice in front of the prime minister himself. Can we play it right here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. I can't believe I've just said that. And now I've going to say twice. I did have an awful premonition. I was going to up on my first day. Oh, piss it. I love that because that's exactly what might happen if I were in her shoes.
0: Well, and he's, he's just like tickled by it. He you is. Know what I mean? It
1: cracks him up so much.
0: And she's all feeling bad about herself. Yeah. That's what makes him have interest in her, you know? Plus, I'm sure he thinks that she's cute, too. She's hot. My last HM, it's a moment that I both love and hate. But when Sarah and Carl finally kiss and, you know, he's brought her back to her flat (laughs) and she tells him that she needs just a minute and she just goes around the corner from him. And quietly freaks out. Right. Because she's so excited that it's finally happening.
1: She's doing like a celebration dance. Yes. Silently.
0: And then she's like, okay.
1: <laughs> it's like yeah. she
0: just had to get that out of her system really quickly. And I just love that they're both into it. It's obvious that he feels the exact same way for her. right? She takes him up to her room. And then her brother starts calling. And I appreciate her situation with her brother. And I think that Carl would have appreciated it as well. Mm-hmm. It was just an odd... I don't I don't like the way that they did this because and I know that they probably just plan to not let this work out. Right. But it's like in the real world, I feel like she would have answered him and then she would have put her phone on silent. Exactly. Like
1: the second time is the unbelievable part of it. It's like the first time. OK, yeah, maybe you answer your phone. Absolutely. Would, would I answer my phone? No. Okay, maybe she answers the phone the first time because she knows it's her brother that might be calling.
0: Yeah, well he he has a specific ringtone, I think.
1: So. Yes, but the second time you would have had that on silent because you know that he's actually okay.
0: Yeah, he's being taken care of and right. <laughs> You know, I mean, I know she doesn't want him to be upset, but at the same time it's like, so you're never going to let yourself have a life outside of of anything while right. your brother's in this home? Like
1: and, and no shade against Carl, but it's like you you can't take ten minutes for yourself, maybe twenty, okay, thirty, maybe an hour, right? But you can't take ten minutes up to an hour for yourself.
0: No shade against Carl.
1: When I said ten minutes, that was supposed to be funny.
0: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Time I I didn't even hear what what? you were saying because I was like, What? How are you shading Carl? What did Carl do? (laughs) (laughs) But the whole thing is annoying because if they would just talk to each other, yes, it would have been fine, they could have worked it out, but she just shut down and he didn't fight for it. So really, they're both to blame because I feel like he should have been like, hey, I want to be with you. Is there a way we can work this out? Like,
1: yeah, a conversation Need to have some
0: balance. Worst case
1: next day at the water cooler, you know, just like, hey, that was crazy. This is what my life is always like. Or this is an abnormality. I generally don't get calls from my brother back to back to back, you know? Yeah. doesn't normally happen like that, but a simple conversation would have solved it.
0: Yeah. And like, I have feelings for you. I would like to take you out. I'd like to get to know you better. But I shared this. I saw a meme the other day and I shared it on our Instagram, but it shows like Carl sitting there in his underwear on the bed. And the the person said something like, sometimes I just think about how I would have blocked my brother immediately.
1: (laughs) It's so mean, (laughs) but... Also, yes. Right. For a few minutes.
0: For a f- I mean, seriously. Right. Just for a little bit of time. Like, obviously, you can hold a job. You obviously don't talk to him 24-7. Exactly. And spoiler alert, we do find out in Red Nose Day, actually, that she is able to have a relationship because she is married, but it's to Patrick Dempsey. Mick. Dreamy. Dreamy. <laughs> She's married to Mick Dreamy and has children with him and everything. I was bummed that Carl wasn't there.
1: I think it should have been Carl.
0: I do too. Maybe he just couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Maybe he was busy or something.
0: Yeah. And I think Patrick had just done Bridget Jones's baby.
1: Listen, you don't take that kind of thing lightly. You don't take 13 years of anticipation and just put somebody in as advertisement for another movie. (laughs) Richard Curtis would not do that. Because they
0: thought, well, if- People are going to be upset. It's not Carl, but at least it's Patrick Dempsey. Like, and I think that that's kind of the route that he went with Bridget Jones's Baby because Hugh Grant isn't in it. So
1: okay, I accept. All right, my final HM: the ending montage of people meeting and hugging and loving one another at the airport. It's so beautifully well done, and you can feel the emotion of these people that they're filming, and I love it. That's the part of the movie that gets me when I see these people seeing each other at the airport for whatever the yeah, reason I'm, is but they are just so happy to see one another.
0: I have to say this time when we watched it I was already crying because of the whole Sam and Joanna thing and I think I just cried through the end of the movie after that. Right. And then when they showed that I was like again Done. just boohooing and it you know it's one of those things where after the year that everyone went through last year where a lot of people couldn't hug their family members us yeah. included. You know, it made me even more emotional to think like I can do that now.
1: Right. And the part that gets me about that, it's like last year could have been the last time some people might have seen their family. Yeah, you know, absolutely. we're not all as lucky as you and I where it's like we get another year. Yeah. So you have to take all of those moments and understand that each one is special, which is hard to do in the moment at times, but mm-hmm. it kind of brings that to the fore and it's good yeah. to remember.
0: And love actually is all around.
1: I feel it in In my my fingers.
0: fingers. (laughs) I I feel feel it in my my (laughs) toes.
1: All right, songs from 2003. I am going to go first because I have the ultimate song from 2003.
0: I almost picked it!
1: Fountains of Wayne, Stacy's Mom. And yes, indeed, she does have it going on. Yes, she does. She does.
0: (laughs) I actually saw that on the list and was going to put it on, and I got distracted, and I forgot. (laughs) Well, I accept your mistake. I'm glad you did, because, yeah, I I wanted it to be included.
1: It's on here forever now.
0: (laughs) Every year on Mother's Day, I like to play this song for my mom, (laughs) send it to her, post about it. And then at our wedding... um, we kind of did a music theme and every table had a particular song like that was their table. And the table <laughs> sorry to anyone else that was at my mom's table, but that table was called Stacy's mom. It had like an actual vinyl record though with the cover little mini vinyl. Fountains of Wayne, yeah, yep. of Stacy's mom. So. She
1: got to go on.
0: Yes. My first one is Beautiful by Snoop Dogg featuring Pharrell and Charlie Wilson. Beautiful. This song just makes me happy. I just want to dance. Yeah, I want to dance. It makes me, again, feel like I'm clubbing in Orlando or riding around with my friends. Like, I was very into Pharrell at that time. So, right. anything that he was attached to, I was there for it.
1: Speaking of the club, my next one is by 50 Cent the song, Into Club. Go, Charlie.
0: It's is your birthday. We gon' party like it's is your birthday. We going sip for party like it's is your birthday. And you know we don't give up cuz let your birthday come in the club. Out of full above my mind. This is Tagway. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also makes me feel like I'm in the club.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. In Duck Club. In Duck Club. This was a humongous song. Yeah. And even though it got played a lot, I really didn't get tired of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Love it. And my last one is By the Black Eyed Peas featuring Justin Timberlake, Where is the Love?
1: love?
0: Obviously, you know, my ears perked up when I knew Justin was a part of this song. He's actually not in the video, but it's just a really positive song. It's upbeat. It's fun. And I agree with the message behind it.
1: Full disclosure, I don't know this song. So I'm going to go check it out.
0: Let me know what you think. I will, <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> okay, Peter. <laughs> well, we don't have to ask where the love is because we know it actually is. Once again, all around. All around. And all you need is love.
1: And just a heads up to everybody. I'm actually starting a new job. Yay! Yay! So it's a bit of an unknown about like, how much free time I'm going to have. It could be the same amount. It could be a lot less. I doubt it's going to be a lot more, but we'll do our best to continue to get content out in the short term. If we have to make adjustments, we'll figure that out for the long term. So if it's a bit sporadic through this Christmas season, through the new year season, we're coming back. We'll have regular content. We just got to figure it out.
0: Yes. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you know, come check us out on Instagram or TikTok and say hi. We're still here. We just may not have a lot of new episodes. We'll right. we have to just see.
1: Come chat with us or the community on Facebook as well.
0: Yes. Good times. Yeah. Enjoy your holiday season.
1: Yeah. Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays.
1: Happy holidays. <laughs> happy holidays.
0: So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club Dash Fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash We Don't Want to Grow Up there you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on apple podcast and leaving us a nice review you may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there so, if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So, if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers.
1: At 12 o'clock, be coming down the chimney.